0: All right, Uh, we're in a series called Free Indeed, and we're talking about that even as believers, we can be in bondage in certain areas of our lives, and we've been covering how we open the door to the thief, and the thief can come in. Uh, And we've talked about even some major doors, uh, like the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, uh, last weekend, and this weekend, the lust of the flesh, but I, I, I named this Message, it's a very serious message. Let me just warn you now. This is a sobering message. I, I understand that, but I believe that if I can help rescue a few people with this message, then it's worth it. So the title of this message is Fighting for Your Life. Fighting for Your Life. And we're going to talk about overcoming the spirit of lust. And and if you don't know, some of you know because you've been here for a while but this spirit had a huge stronghold in me. This was the, the major stronghold in my life before I became a believer, and even the first few years of my life as a believer until I learned about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, freedom ministry, and things like that. And it still took a while to tear this stronghold down. So uh, I, I'm sharing from the scripture, but also from a, a place of a person who understands what it's like to be in bondage to this, all right? Um, now, in Proverbs 7, we're going to, the, it's so good, uh, we're going to read the whole chapter. And it, it, it will blow you away. The comments about reading this chapter have been phenomenal from the other two services, three services. Um, you're going to love this, but I'll show you that I believe God is describing to us how the spirit of lust operates through this chapter, through something that actually happened that Solomon witnessed. So, Proverbs chapter 7, look at verse 1. It says Solomon speaking now. My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live. Remember, again, the title is Fighting for Your Life. Keep my commands and live. And my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. We could say memorize them. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin, that they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with their words. Now, before we go on, I'm going to stop and make comments throughout this passage. We're now about to see uh, something that Solomon actually witnessed, something that happened. But when he says that the Word of God will keep you from the immoral woman, I, I don't think he's simply speaking of a woman, but I think he's speaking of the spirit of lust. So I want you to think about it in that way, all right? Verse 6, for at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice. Now, this is something that Solomon actually witnessed. And I saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths a young man devoid of understanding. Now, look at me just for a moment. He's not putting down young people here. He's saying he's devoid of understanding because he already has been entrapped by this spirit. Because you'll see that he purposefully goes to the wrong place. So he's saying the reason he's devoid of understanding is because he's already gone into bondage to this spirit. This spirit robs you of wisdom and understanding. That's what he's trying to tell us here, all right? Let's keep going. Verse 8, passing along the street near her corner, and he took the path to her house. Notice, he did it. He He went directly there. He took the path to her house, in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. Okay, let me make a comment. The spirit of lust will lead you to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's what it does. The spirit of lust will so take hold of you that you will begin to plan when you can be there and how you can be there and where you can be there, where you can operate in this spirit of lust. That's what this guy does. He's in the wrong place at the wrong time because the spirit of lust is now taking him into bondage. Verse 10. And there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. Now, again, um, I'm going to be very sobering during this message, okay? But I want to say something here very strong. It says she had the attire of a harlot. Uh, I'm not trying to be judgmental in any way. I'm just trying to help, help maybe you understand something. Ladies... Uh, there is no reason for you to dress in a way that accentuates your body. It does not uh, help this issue in a man's life in any way, fashion, or form. And uh, obviously, my wife has always dressed modestly and discreetly. My daughter, when she was a teenager, though, wanted to be stylish, and we had to help her understand that that is not stylish. It's fine to dress stylishly but there is no reason to dress in a way that would accentuate your body. It, it causes this spirit in, in men uh, to, to take them more into bondage, all right? Um, verse 11, she was loud and rebellious. Again, I don't think this is talking about the personality of a woman. I think it's talking about the spirit. The spirit of lust in our society is loud and rebellious. Would you agree with that? It's, it's very loud and very rebellious. Uh, her feet would not stay at home, At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. That's the spirit. So she called him and kissed him. Now, look at me just for a moment, because this is something really good. The enemy always uncovers his hand, always. Let me tell you something. The Bible tells us something about the spirit of lust that will help us tremendously. There's always a shock. There's always a surprise. In other words, she catches this young man, and she kisses him just like that. Please hear me. When you get shocked, you need to turn and run. See, 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 this is what the spirit of lust does. There's always something we see in a movie, something on television, something on the internet, something is said in the office. A man says something to you, or a woman says something to you, and it shocks you. Listen, this is a sign from God. When you get shocked, turn around and leave. When you're shocked, run. And she just grabs this guy and kisses him. I absolutely love this part of this passage because it lets me know that the enemy will tip his hand. He will, at some point, the spirit of lust, it will be shocking. And here's the problem. When you stop being shocked, you're in trouble. You're going the wrong way. So she kissed him. She caught him and kissed him with an impudent face or a hard, rebellious type of face, firm face. She said to him, now this is very shocking. I have peace offerings with me. Today, I have paid my vows. Let me explain to you what that means. Today, I've paid my vows. I have peace offerings with me. Here's what that means. Here's what she's saying. I went to church today. I've already paid my tithes. I've already paid my offerings. And I have, I got some peace offerings, some offerings from the temple so that after we sin, we can offer these peace offerings together. That's what she's saying. Here's what so bothers me about this. The divorce rate is the same in the church as it is in the world. This spirit is as rampant in the church, unfortunately, as it is in the world. It's rampant in the pew, and it's rampant in the pulpit. And we have to be shocked by this, and we have to change this. We have to do something about this. And she says, here it is right here in the Bible. Here's what she says. I've already been to church. And I brought some offerings so that when we sin, we can take care of it. Listen, here's the lie of the enemy you can repent after. Go, let's, go, go. We know it's wrong. We're believers, but we'll repent after. I actually talked to a man who was in an affair, and this is what he said to me. He said, we pray together. And I said to him, that is the height of deception. There's no higher deception than what you just said that you believe that you could go into the Holy of Holies with a woman you're committing adultery with. You're deceived. She said, I have peace offerings with me. I've paid my vows. Verse 15, so I came out to meet you. This is the Spirit. It pursues you diligently to seek your face. And I have found you. I've spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. In other words, there's always preparation when you go down this road. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, alloys, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning, let us delight ourselves with love. Listen to me carefully. Lust always masquerades as love. Lust is not love. Love is from heaven, lust is from hell. Lust masquerades as love. As a matter of fact, the world calls it making love. Making love is not a one night stand. Making love is spending your life, 33 years, with the same woman who's had three of your children. That's making love. That's love. That is not lust. Lust is from hell, love is from heaven, and the world and the spirit calls it love. It is not love. Verse 19 For my husband is not at home, he has gone on a long journey. He's taken a bag of money with him and will come on the appointed day. Look at me. Here's what else the spirit of lust says to you. You won't get caught. See? I'm telling you, this this spirit working through this woman has it all worked out. I've already taken care of it with God. Everything's taken care of. And and guess what? Uh, I've got it taken care of where we won't get caught. You won't get caught. Now, listen. This is what the spirit of lust says. You'll be the first person in human history that hasn't gotten caught. Let me say it another way. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's, it's quote-unquote not uncovered to friends and family, but if you think that that means that you don't get caught by God, that's also the height of deception. Let me say it another way. You won't suffer any, su- any consequences. That's what the Spirit says. You can do this, and it won't affect you. We're going to see later how it does affect us. Verse 21, with her enticing speech, that's the spirit of lust, She caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately, he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter. It's fighting for your life. As a fool to the correction of the stocks, till an arrow struck his liver. That means death. As a bird hastens to the snare. Watch this phrase. He did not know it would cost his life. He did not know it would cost his life. Now, let me give you just a little historical background on this passage This is, this, Solomon saw this. He watched this through a window in his last. You have to remember Solomon was a godly king. Many theologians believe that Solomon sent for this man and this woman and had them executed. Because according to the law, the penalty for adultery was death. And that's what many theologians believe that this phrase refers to. And I actually believe that in the literal it refers to that, in the spiritual it refers to what happens to us when we go down this road he did not know, it would cost his life. Okay, here's the reason he didn't know. He was doing it at night, and he didn't think anyone saw, but the king was watching through the window. Now, listen to me very carefully. If you go down this road, you may think that you're covering it up, but the king is watching. There's one person you can't hide from, and he's watching. Verse 24, now therefore listen to me, my children, pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths, for she has cast down many wounded, watch this, and all, I I love this word all, all who were slain by her were strong men. I've seen what is amazing to me is the men that I've seen that have fallen to this have actually been very successful many times in business and career. They're very strong men, and this Spirit targets them. They fall to this. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. Now, I'm going to say something very strong through, well, through the whole message, so just just, just brace yourself. Put your seatbelt on. Her house is the way to hell, to hell. Okay. There are many, many scriptures that say adulterers and fornicators go to hell. Now listen to me carefully. Because again, you're looking at a marred man. I've I've, I've, I've never, ever tried to hide that from you. I do believe you can repent. I do believe the blood of Jesus covers our sins. I do believe that. I also believe that believers can be in bondage. But listen carefully to me. If this is a sin that you continue in, you need to check out your salvation. You really do. There is a possibility, if you are going to persist in this sin, that God has never given you a new heart. He's never changed your heart. Now, if you want to get free, we can help you get free. But if you're going to persist in this, this is the path to hell. That's what the Scripture says. So let me give you a few words here to help you to describe the spirit of lust. All right, to you, all right? I'm going to give you three words to describe it. And then I'll give you a fourth point of how we get free from it. Here's number one, desire. Desire. The word lust actually means desire. As a matter of fact, many times the Hebrew word and the Greek word for the New Testament is translated desire instead of lust. Sometimes the Greek word translated desire instead of lust. Let me tell you something about this word. In in the Greek, it's epithumio. But what it, it is, it's a neutral word. It means it can go either way. It can be good or bad. Uh, I'll show you a verse that will absolutely shock you. This is the exact same Greek word that's translated many times, lust. Luke 22, verse 15. This is Jesus talking. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Okay, that word could have been translated lust. Now, I'm not saying, obviously, Jesus didn't have evil lust. But what he's saying is fervent desire. Listen, God gave us a good, healthy, natural desire for sex that can be fulfilled in a godly way, but it can never be fulfilled in a lustful way. The Bible then begins to describe lust and use some other words. Uh, The Bible calls it worldly lust. Uh, The Bible calls it deceitful lust. The Bible calls it evil desire. Again, the desire is the same word. The Bible is trying to tell us that God gave us a pure desire and Satan turns it into an evil desire. And when it turns into that desire, if we get on that road and begin going down that road, that's when we go into bondage. Let me give you a few scriptures. Galatians five sixteen and 17. Walk in the Spirit. That's why it's very important to understand the relationship with the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. Notice the evil lust goes against the spirit, but the good desires go against those evil desires. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Now, every time we see that phrase, you do not do the things you wish, we see it in a negative way. Listen to me. It can be a positive also. You can be so in love with Jesus and so want to do and desire what God wants you to do that you don't do the other things. That's what it's trying to say, that we can also be subject to the spirit instead of just the flesh. Romans 6, 19, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members, these are the members of your bodies, as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. It always leads to more sin. So now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Romans 8, 5, and 6, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. We're going to talk later. This is part of the answer, what you think on. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, for to be carnally minded is death. Remember, fighting for your life is the name of the message. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Romans thirteen, fourteen. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. This is a scripture I memorized when I was battling this myself. Make no provision for the flesh. Because the flesh will tell you how to plan to fulfill lust, but you have to make no provision for it. So, number one word I want you to understand about lust is desire. It's a neutral word. It can go, it, you can have good desires or bad desires. Here's number two, deception. Now, if you're in Proverbs 7, if you'll just maybe go one page to the left there uh, and look at Proverbs 6. We'll get to 2 Corinthians 10 in a minute. Deception. I want to show you a passage again on immorality that in the middle of it has a scripture that we don't know, I don't think why it's in there, but I'll explain to you why it's in there. Proverbs 6, verse 23 says, "'For the commandment is a lamp, and the law a light. "'Reproofs of instruction are the way of life, "'to keep you from the evil woman.'" Again, I think it refers to the spirit of lust. "'From the flattering tongue of a seductress. "'Do not lust after her.'" Same word, desire. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. Now watch how strong this is. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. And an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. You're fighting for your life. Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? In other words, you think you can get close to this and it's not going to affect you? so is he who goes into his neighbor's wife, whoever touches her shall not be innocent. Now watch this, these, this little verse here. It's in the middle of this phrase because it's going to go back, middle of this topic here, and we'll explain it. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. Now I want you to think about this in terms of adultery. Watch the next phrase. He may have to give up All the substance of his house. And then notice again the 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 context, verse thirty two. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Now now look at me. Here is talking about immorality, and right in the middle it says, You know, people don't despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his hunger. Okay. Here's what you need to understand: lust is a deception. And lust never satisfies. A man never commits adultery for satisfaction because lust doesn't satisfy. And that's what it's saying here. It's saying, don't do this. Don't go down this road. And it's saying, you know, if if, if it was for satisfaction, someone might excuse him. But it's not for satisfaction because lust never satisfies. Here's the deception of lust. It never satisfies you. You always want more. In a godly, pure marriage relationship you can be satisfied. But in an impure relationship, if you watch pornography, if you get involved with someone, if you do that, you want more. You, you, the cravings get worse. You go more and more into bondage. You are never, ever satisfied. Lust is a deceiver. It does not satisfy you. Only love satisfies you. Let me read you some verses. Proverbs twenty-seven twenty: Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of a man are never satisfied. Habakkuk 2.5, speaking of an evil man, watch, indeed, because he transgresses by wine, he is a proud man, he does not stay at home, that's a direct reference to adultery, because he enlarges his desire, this is the same word as lust, as hell, he is like death, now watch this, and he cannot be satisfied. He cannot be satisfied. Ezekiel 28, you also played the harlot with the Assyrians because you were insatiable, in other words, unsatisfiable, insatiable, indeed, you played the harlot with them, and still were not satisfied. Lust is an empty promise, and ever and many many, many of us have had this difficulty before. It never satisfies us. it actually just causes more of a desire and an impure desire. And here's the third word. I told you desire, deception. Here's the third word I want you to remember, death. Death. James chapter 1, verse 14 says, each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires. This is the Greek word epithemeo, which means lust. When he's drawn away. Matter of fact, some versions, you may have a version that says lust here. When he's drawn away by his own lust and enticed. Then when desire or lust has conceived, now watch what the Bible says, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, in other words, when you remain in this, brings forth death. Remember we read Proverbs 7, said he did not know it would cost his life. Let me read you another one, Romans 8, 12, and 13. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Now watch this, how careful, watch how clear this is. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, you can only do it by the Holy Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Love always brings life. Lust always brings death. Now, let's talk about death just for a moment, because I'm telling you it always brings death. Maybe it's not immediate physical death. But if you remember, God said to Adam and Eve, you eat that tree, you're going to die. They did not die physically, immediately, but they died spiritually. How many people die spiritually because of lust? Their spiritual passion for God, their spiritual hunger for God, their spiritual desire for God, because lust is desire. And instead of having a desire for the good things, all of a sudden now their desire and their passion is going another way. When we talk about death, listen, think about this. How many marriages have died? The love in the marriage. I don't love her anymore. Your passion died because your passion goes another way. How many families have been sacrificed on this altar? Okay, I'll tell you something that many men don't even think about. How many businesses died because of this spirit? How many promotions and raises have you not received? Because of this spirit. Because instead of having a mind that's full of godly things so that it could be creative and innovative and come up with new ideas, you're thinking about these things. Satan's a thief. He's robbing you. This spirit is robbing you. If if you don't believe this, listen, you're sadly deceived. I'm telling you, if you're in bondage to the spirit of lust, it's affected your finances. It's affected your health. It's affected your joy. That's what this spirit does. And it takes, brings death. So what, what's the solution? Well, here's point number four. By the way, there's two words here on this point. They also, they both begin with D because I'm gifted. <clears throat> <laughs> The, re- the reason I do this, I've told you before, is to may- help you remember, help you remember the points so you can remember the truth, all right? Here's number four, the dis- here's the answer, deliverance and discipleship. Deliverance and discipleship. Remember we started this uh, series, and I gave you a quote by Dr. Jack Hayford, you can't cast out the flesh, and you can't disciple the demon. You can't cast out the flesh, and you can't disciple the demon. What he's referring to is that many churches believe one or the other is the only answer. You just need deliverance. You just need deliverance. Okay, listen. After you get deliverance, and you do need deliverance, but after you get deliverance, you need discipleship. You need to be discipled because you need to retrain the way you think. But there are others who simply try to discipline the flesh but that, and, they, and they ignore the demonic and the spiritual world out there, and they try to discipline the flesh. And you can't disciple a demon. If you're in bondage, you need the spirit cast out. And Jesus spent a third of his ministry casting demons out and told the disciples to do the same thing. Preach the gospel, heal the sick, and cast out demons. Amen. So you do need the demonic spirit cast out. So now go to 2 Corinthians 10, and I'll show you this passage that brings deliverance and discipleship together in one verse. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Talking about deliverance. Casting down arguments, discipleship, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We need deliverance and discipleship. Um, If you remember, Revelation 12 says, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the Word of our testimony. I want you to think about this. We overcome by the blood and the Word. The blood and the Word. Let me say it another way. We need deliverance and discipleship. (laughs) That's how we overcome the enemy. Uh, we, We want you to go through freedom ministry. We want you to go through Kairos. And by the way, Kairos 2 deals mainly with freedom from sexual issues, sexual bondages. But you need to go through Kairos 1 before you go through Kairos 2. So if you have a difficulty in this area, don't feel condemned. I do want you to feel convicted, but don't feel condemned, but let us help you. Everything we do here is to try to help you. Let me, let me tell you a little bit about strongholds. The word stronghold is a neutral word, just like the word desire. You can have good desires or bad desires. The word stronghold is a neutral word. You want to know why? Because the Lord is our stronghold. You can make the Lord your stronghold. But here's the problem. We get tired. We have a bad day at work. Business starts going down. We, we have so, a fight or a difference agreement with our wife. So we run to the stronghold, but we're used to running to the wrong stronghold. And let me tell you what a stronghold is so that you'll know from this passage, it helps us a lot, but I'm going to give you a very simple definition of a stronghold. A stronghold, and please don't forget this, is a train of thought. A train of thought. Now, here's the reason I say that. Our minds are like Grand Central Station. There are trains of thought pulling in and pulling out every second. Now, listen carefully. Listen carefully. Your destiny, destiny, destination, your destiny depends on which train you board. See, the enemy puts trains of lustful thoughts in our minds. If you get on those trains, they're headed toward death death of your family, death of your marriage, death of your business, maybe even death of your life. That's where they're headed. And the more you get on those trains, the easier it is to get on those trains when you're stressed. But what I'm telling you is, don't get on those trains. Get on the train of life. Uh, uh, and let me give you a different way of thinking. Um, let me read you this scripture. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure... Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are a good report, if there's any virtue or if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. This says to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Let me tell you what this word captive means in the Greek. It means by spear point. By spear point. Take a a thought captive by spear point. And, And by the way, if you need a reminder, this is the spear That's the only way you can take a thought captive. The best way, if you want to overcome, now listen, again, you're looking at a guy who is probably in more bondage in this area than most of you here. No no doubt about that. I started memorizing God's word. And when I would get tempted, I would start quoting, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want it causes me to lie down in grief. I just start quoting the word of God. Just just quote 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 the word of God and I begin to drive those thoughts out. I also begin to feel my mind renewed, my mind with the word of God. I begin to fill my mind because I had filled my mind with the wrong thoughts before. Now remember, I said to you that a stronghold is neutral, it can go either way. There are 3 definitions of the Greek word for stronghold and it's shocking these, these definitions to me. They actually surprised me when I saw them. Obviously, the first one is the major one and used most of the time, but the other two will, will amaze you. The first definition is, is a fortress, a fortress. It's something you run into to try to get some relief to be safe. And again, it can be the Lord or it can be uh, the wrong thing. Okay, but watch the next two definitions. First is fortress. Here's the second one. This, this is a definition of a stronghold from the Greek, a prison, a prison. And then one time it's used, listen to this, as a tomb. Now, here's what's amazing. The Lord gave me these three points, that it's desire. It's a fortress. You can go one way or the other. But if you go the wrong way, the next one was deception. Listen, it becomes a prison. And the next point the Lord gave me was death. It becomes a tomb. It it will become a tomb. If you go the wrong way, this will become a tomb. You know, the men of Shechem ran into the stronghold. Not just the men, but the women and children also. Over a thousand of them. They ran into Shechem, in, into their stronghold. It was a big tower. Over a thousand people fit in this tower. Abimelech was chasing them. And Abimelech cut down trees, lined them around the, the tower, and burned them to death. That's what happens when you run into the wrong stronghold. But you've got to run to the right stronghold. Let me read you one more scripture, 1 Peter chapter 2, First Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Again, the soul, it wars against your mind, your will, in order to be able to make right decisions and your emotions, please hear me, you go into bondage in this area, you'll also have depression. It will depress you because you're thinking down the wrong way. Now, here's what I'm saying to you. Paul said, I beg you, as your pastor, as your pastor, I'm begging you to let us help you. We want to help you. Don't feel condemned. Let us help you in this area. I have a friend of mine who was a missionary, I I went, visited him on the mission field. He would preach big crusades, lots of people saved and healed. He began a Bible college, unbelievable man of God, started going down the wrong road in his mind, lost his marriage, lost his family, and just a few years ago in his 50s was killed in a motorcycle accident. Lost his life. Lost his marriage, his family, his ministry, and his life. He did not know it would cost his life. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I know this is a heavy message. I know that. I know that. But I want you to know God loves you. God loves you. He wants to set you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. He doesn't want you to live in bondage. You don't want to live in bondage. We want to pray for you at every campus. And we want to pray for you. Maybe this there's something else. We talked about the lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, and there are many areas that we try to satisfy our flesh in, not just in the sexual area. But if there's any area of bondage in your life, let us pray for you. We want to. We want to. So in just a moment, at every campus, this is where we're going to stand and we sing one more worship song. And during that worship song, we're going to have leaders at the front of every campus and at the front of every overflow room. Some of you, North Fort Worth, you're in double overflow, I know. North Richland Hills, if you're in an overflow room, when as soon as we stand up in just a moment, there'll be people at the front of that room. At, at Southlake on the second level, let me tell you, you can come to the front, but on the, if you're at South Lake campus on the second level, by each exit, by each exit, we have leaders there to pray for you. All you'd have to do is move toward the exit and you'll see someone with a name badge and you can pray for them. I'll, I'm always concerned that the people on the second level sometimes see themselves as spectators, not participators. Don't you do that. If you need prayer, you go to someone, All right. So in just a moment, we'll stand at every campus and we'll worship. We'll have one more worship song. The service is not over yet. We'll have one more worship song and then we'll dismiss after that. If you need prayer for any area of your life, as soon as we stand up, you just stand up and step out and come. If you're on the ministry team, uh, you might even start coming during the prayer so you'll be ready to minister as soon as you can, all right? Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person, every person. That needs prayer right now at every campus and every overflow room in jesus name amen i was 19 years old when i gave my life to the lord and everything changed i didn't have any desire to go back to that old life i wanted to walk with the lord and learn more about him and some people helped me to learn the bible and to learn how to pray and to learn about my new life in christ and that's what we want to do for you I am so excited that you've given your life to the Lord. He's forgiven all of your sins and you're on your way to heaven. But we need to learn some things now about the Bible, about prayer, about some basics of the Christian life so that you can be victorious and live for the Lord like I know you want to. So we've designed a class called Fresh Start. And I want to encourage you to sign up for this class because we want to help you grow in your walk with the Lord now. I love you and I'm so proud of you.